Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 8th of February 2021. If the forecast is right, it should be snow everywhere this morning in the in the eastern counties, so very exciting. Pity there aren't any mountains. We'll start with oilseed markets. The veg oil market has been described as tight but volatile. Good job Webby isn't in the room. £380 a tonne is about the value of it. It's your decision when you trade it, if you haven't traded it already. It's kind of sitting there quite happily. Very possibly it will go to £400 a tonne. I have no idea. There is signs of price destruction in in that China has sold back some cargoes, or washed out cargoes as trade calls it, back to South America, Brazil, on soya because of price destruction. There's not enough margin in it but underlyingly the market is as high as it is because of the tight supply and that applies into new crop as well the crop won't have much of a carryover of stock and they're relying on there being a decent harvest to supply everything and Europe because of its flea beetle problems not really going to have that many extra tons either so next year's harvest value is currently 335 down a little bit because of the strength of the pound our pound is going up probably on the basis of the number of vaccines we've got out there so yeah all is well for the pound but it isn't great for our commodity prices however 335 for harvest movement plus bonuses is not a bad place to start the next one is i think we'll go to feed barley it's lost a bit of its luster a slightly stronger pound slightly less competitive for exports so we've slipped below 160 pounds a ton x farm probably still make 159 158 for spot maybe 160 x for may it's still a fabulous price and i think it's going to be there or thereabouts for a while don't forget that feed barley dies first in terms of price there's a big drop down to new crop prices and there will be barley from europe available if we have a crazy high price in may june coming from spain or some of the southern regions it's one that the market loses its strength earlier moving on to wheat next week or the week of this podcast, the the USDA comes out on Tuesday. Now that could be exciting because we have, on the one hand, bigger crops being reported in South America, which is obviously bearish. Following last week's podcast where we announced that the Chinese had bought 3 million tonnes of corn in a two-day period, they proceeded to buy a further 2 million tonnes on the day I recorded the podcast. So they bought a total of 5 million tonnes of corn in that week. So the USDA next week's got to reflect a bigger South American crop at the same time as it's reflecting bigger exports of corn so it should have an impact we shall see which or how they go with it the last usda was actually bullish which has been an unusual event for recent months Another thing to consider, and this is the kind of underlying mood of commodity prices, uh, Argentina are looking at restricting exports. And the reason they're doing that is because their food price inflation has gone up 36%. If you just remember North Africa all those years ago when we had the Arab Spring and all of those countries kicked off, it was all about food price that started the event. People couldn't afford food and they therefore ended up that the governments lost power 
on the back of it. So in Argentina, they're looking at food prices. We've already had Russia, who's got high food prices. He's trying all sorts of tricks to stop uh, Russian exports to keep his prices lower. He's now having a reaction where they're possibly not going to plant as many acres and he's having to come up with ways of making sure they plant the acres. And this is an, an issue in the world. And we are much, much tighter on stocks than we have been for a long time. Now, it would only take, I think, one more major event and maybe a more public one maybe if it you know if it happens in china it's kind of secret and no one knows it's happened they pretend they've got a good crop but you can't hide it in europe and you can't hide it in the states and with a la nina year if you do get a prolonged dry period at the wrong moment on the corn crop in the states it's very public it's very much in front of the futures market's eyes and it wouldn't take much to really kick off so i think the world is heading towards one of those moments where maybe just maybe we won't get the saving rain or we won't get the bumper harvest or we won't get whatever it's taken in the last five years to just save the day. It is volatile weather and it really could kick off. And you have to have that in the back of your head when you're trading. At the same time, if we do get just enough weather to keep us well supplied, then the market will kind of lamely ease off a bit. I mean, certainly it won't be £200 a ton for next year's feed wheat. And at the moment, it is, you know, November value is sub 160. So it's still decent prices relative to what we thought we were going to get before the Brexit. But it is potentially it has got room to go down if we suddenly get very kind weather all the way through in the spring. And on the subject of weather, the forecast for the next 10 days is rain followed by snow, followed by snow, followed by snow, followed by rain. So in Norfolk, we will not be seeing anything done until at least the 20th of February. And that's still going to be pretty sodding wet ground at that point. There's a lot of sugar beet out there. There's a lot of spring barley to go in. There's a lot of potatoes, sugar beet, fertiliser, spraying. You name it, March is going to be incredibly busy. And it really does need to start turning dry immediately at the end of this 14-day forecast. So... With that, you can you can sense a kind of underlying, not bullishness, but there's certainly a reluctance to sell on new crop until I can see a good reason to feel pleased with the prospects of the crop coming up. I will remind everybody that in March there is a day when the sun shines, it's warm, everything's growing, the birds are singing, the sap is rising, and you just look out there and you think, wow, isn't it great to be alive? And I feel like everything's going to be wonderful. And at that point in time, traditionally, people do sell a bit of grain. So that, that day will occur. It's just relatively how many other people have got on and how much later in the season is it than normal. Anyway, with that, old crop wheat price, which I haven't given you so far, is sub 200. Uh, 198, I guess, is about spot value. But let's be brutally frank about this. Nobody is going to sell old crop feed wheat from farm at less than 200 pounds a tonne. So it's point bidding it it's you know you can you can make 200 for may so you still can sell it for 200 pounds a ton in norfolk but i think realistically no one's going to sell it sub 200 because i don't feel the pressure on it i mean it may well be dropping away and the consumers may be happy and completely fulfilled for all of their tonnage for april may june i don't think so and there may well be enough wheat out there to trade but I don't think that's going to come forward in a straightforward manner. And certainly you will have starvation. I've mentioned how busy March is going to be. You're going to have the period of trade starvation of grain and people not loading, etc. When the weather turns dry in late March, you know, the loader can't be in the field with the spring barley seed or the fertilizer on the forklift arms at the same time as having the bucket on the front to load a grain lorry. So I think it's going to be a period where it will be very, very difficult to buy grain from farmers as well, because actually they will be busy. Anyway, with that kind 
kind of underlying the optimistic yet again market report with there may well be a uh, you know a super cycle moment on prices whilst it never being really too bad i hope you have a, an enjoyable week in the snow let's face it it's a time for farmers to help their communities to get out there and become popular don't don't milk it too much on social media just quietly do the right thing do the good thing and gain lots and lots of people's respect and gratitude with that i hope it is a, a fun snow event for you and have a great week thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours the dewing grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news data analysis and insights into the market giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This week I have got Josh and Henry with me for the Market Talk. It's the happy little doing work bubble. So, hi Josh. Hello. And hi Henners. Hello. Right, Webby's on holiday. We're here. Ben and Joe, cold in the fort the other days. I'm really fed up with not working with the team all at once. Yeah, it's pretty pretty awful actually. But I suppose it's still necessary because the cases aren't significantly going down. No, well, they have, haven't they? The, I think they have, but it seems like it's new variants very easy to catch. Hopefully, if we're back in for spring, which could look hopeful, I think would be good. Well, that's right. Okay. COVID death figures are down. The number of people daily, instead of 60,000, is 20 odd thousand. So there is definitely a marked improvement. So, end of lockdown will be Easter. What do you reckon? I think if that is a good time to be aiming for the pubs, that is always a good thing, isn't it? Apparently, we are past the peak. But the figures are still staggeringly high. <laughs> no, I think it'd be great uh, if we could go back to a pub in mm. Easter. It would be amazing. The central focus being here, the Doing family obviously seem to be seem to be focusing on pubs. Yeah, getting out there Anywhere. and actually, you know, especially now Henry's back on the pitch. <laughs> mm. My boy's been chucked. No. <laughs> so here we sit. We've got a grain market that's falling around our ears. We've got farmers who don't really want to know or do anything there doesn't seem to be anywhere near enough wheat does there josh going about no definitely not i would say probably less than five percent i actually spoke to a farmer today with some old crop wheat which was actually a bit of a surprise yeah funnily enough the market's coming down without any farmer participation it's late in the afternoon today which bodes badly for our beer drinking in a little while so we're going to have a non-morning beer chat which could be a laugh but the other it does seem that other parts of the country have got wheat left up north, up north, they appear to have a surplus. In parts of Scotland, there is certainly lumps of wheat. But they haven't got any registered futures stores other than the Ingalls ones, which have already played their card. So it really does depend. Will we see an influx of new registrations of stores? I think possibly. Will there be enough tonnage coming on board to solve the problem? I think possibly not. But right now, the, the premiums for wheat over the futures price are higher than it makes sense to tender futures in any part of the country. So... Yeah, and I think that and the fact that 
lots of people brought milling wheat into the country and premiums were a lot higher and actually now milling wheat premiums are pretty awful so will that excess or surplus milling wheat will that hit the feed wheat market and when will it hit it yeah if that's the case if we know that to be the truth then therefore anyone with a milling wheat premium a milling wheat product that's not been sold and is hoping for a premium should just bite the bullet sell it for 200 pound a ton forget the premium and because if there's enough of that stuff it will solve the problem won't it definitely yeah. so it boils down to the farmer actually biting the bullet on that one when I first came in here, or not the first came in here, but at the beginning of this year, the market seemed like it was going mental. I don't have much understanding on the whole topic, if I'm honest. Um, this is not my background, but, and I'm trying to learn. None of us have that understanding, and we pretend. Right. I, I see, I see. Yeah, I, I just kind of want to understand, like, for those, if there is people, listeners out there that don't know too much about it, like, what's... You know, when it was up really high and seemed really exciting, and now it's kind of like, seems a bit negative or not, or I'd, what's the... Yeah, well, there's lots of things that put the market down i think probably inflation food inflation prices were too high so you've seen other countries like russia put export taxes on their own producers to bring prices down locally and i think as well we're now sitting on it seems as if in south america that they keep upping crop production figures which is just means there's going to be an influx of new crop corn and soy which is fundamentally going to pull the market down for wheat eventually yeah but china keeps buying it and china does keep buying it yeah but then for some reason they well their big buy was a just nearly a week ago and since then you haven't heard much from them yeah i mean the other thing is that the price isn't really it's 200 odd pound a ton henners and that is like still a crazy high price it hasn't really it's come off from crazy crazy high price but it's still 200 pound a ton so it isn't actually it hasn't crashed if you like where's it usually at you're not usually at but what's the sort of average because i remember josh when you said you first joined here you came in and it was something like 220 a time on your first week and you're like oh this job is easy but now and then it pretty much went down for the like 18 months after that and i think got down to about 102 but yeah so i mean obviously andrew's got much wider knowledge than me on that and being around for a while but from my history i think anything over 150 is a good price is what i would consider to be a good price yeah well for what it's worth if you if you mark when you first walk in the door it's something well I, I actually in may this year i will have been working at Aylsham grain site for 25 years so i'll have a little party if we're all allowed out we'll have a 25 years at Aylsham party i can remember the market peaked it was 1996 may 1996 it was a la nina year and the price went through the roof on corn and the price never recovered from the day i walked in the door for 10 years 10 years it took to get back up to that price which one particular storage member here did highlight to me on several occasions jimmy alston used to go has it got back to where when you first walked in the door andrew so you know it does take sometimes a really big long period we're taking seven since yeah i've been here for seven years no, we're like, st- therefore we're in a super cycle, aren't we? Yeah. So now just just imagine, right? This spring, which at this moment we've got we got a foot of snow forecast for Norfolk, which is as exciting as snow forecasts come in your entire lifetime. Mm. One foot of snow in Norfolk. Don't think it's happened before. No. Well, I think the beast needs brought a bit, but I mean, not to sound like a self help <laughs> book, but. You know, hopefully after this snow and things get better, there will be a summer, the, the, the crops will grow, you will plant stuff. So hopefully right now life is as bad as it'll ever get for restrictions and weather. That is tend to how it works, summer will come again. Exactly. <laughs> so I think everyone needs, we all need to try our best to remember that, that actually isn't, you know, yeah, the moment is miserable there's nothing to look forward to i went saw what someone the other day to go for a walk and we had nothing to talk about we haven't seen each other for a month 
um, or how long it was. If the snow comes, uh, yeah, that would be great. It will be, uh, yeah. there's a, uh, coming out of, of the house, there's a hill to get up onto the junction, and it will be a case of calling up, sorry, Dad, can't make it in today, uh, can't get up the hill. <laughs> I'm working from home. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Monday, Tuesday, I suspect we're going to be, I'm going to tell the guys tomorrow to forward forward the phones and, and not have anyone in, actually. On, on the Monday you're uh, hearing this recording, I suspect we won't be in the office because it, it is, you know, you can do it from home, can't we? We can forward every single Yeah, we can, yeah. And, and all of us have to sit, I have signal at home. But one thing, that if, if we do get a foot of snow, I'm going to ski down the cliff at Munsley. Okay. Yeah, which I'll prove with the video if we have to. There is actually sponsorship opportunities open for that. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to send some, uh, I don't know, any... Uh, beer or something for for, for the ride then uh, we'll film it and we'll, we'll post yeah, it maybe Red Bull could sponsor us but <laughs> I was, uh, yeah it has to be at least six inches of snow you were saying earlier that you're going to ski down the cliff and then into the sea and ski in a wave and get into a barrel on your skis is yeah that's, that's okay? my plan yeah, yeah right. so no, I just want I, I want to actually if there is funnily enough if there is a surf over the weekend as well because this is easterly coming in which is bringing the cold weather me and Henry are going to surf and ski in the same day so you can say you can ski and surf on the same day. It's a bit like being in the south of France, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, except for ruining your skis on the flints at the bottom there, but that's fine. You know, sand would be fine. (laughs) Anyway, I I like the Sir Tom, you know, the the Captain Sir Tom Moore stuff. Yeah, it'll be a lovely summer and all that. That's really good. Yeah, well, it's true. I think, hopefully, I was thinking about how miserable it is at the moment. And you'd like to hope that can and can't do. This is the absolute ultimate. Over. Yeah, yeah, no, and rest in peace to Tom Moore. That's yeah, R.I.P. Tom Moore. Yeah, there's an inspiration. So, other than skiing down cliffs and coastal erosion and surfing in minus one temperature waters, anything else to look forward to in your in your days off work? I'd say they're pretty good. That's pretty exciting. They are pretty good. The only thing I'm desperately missing at the moment is a game of rugby. Cause surfing skiing is awesome. That that's a good thing to do in one day for any Londoners that listen, like losers. <laughs> but desperately missing a game of rugby. I'm really excited for the Six Nations kicking off, and I've got my fantasy team ready to go. Okay, and uh, who's going to win the Six Nations? I think it's between France and England at the moment. Yeah, I uh, as it was think, last year. I think the French might. To be fair, I, I think it's. Good. I don't think it would be a bad thing if we test out some players. Like we we won the last one. We're champions. Okay. We want to do that again, be consistent. But I think that Eddie Jones needs to put in some more talent for the future and for the World Cup coming up because there might be some. He has brought a few new players in. A dog I think his name is. He's a wasp swinger. He looks class. He's got the most meters made and defenders beaten, I think, in the Prem this year. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to for grassroots coming back and being able to play, which I don't think is going to be till next year anyway, or to the end of next season anyway. Has he changed his scrum halves or his fly halves or any of that? Ford's on the bench, Farrell's at 10, but he has brought in a scrum half from Bristol and I can't remember his name but he's and he looks really lightweight but he looks really decent actually like Ben Young's obviously you know 100 plus caps a great nine and you know he's done really really well but we seem to have a slight shortage of experience like the right age sort of nines coming through and um or you know Eddie Jones seems to go for those mature players Robson and, and the other guy uh, Willie Hines who are 30 plus and it's like you need to start getting some younger people through and this one guy from Bristol can't remember his name but he looks really class yeah I heard as well this is the first game since the World Cup where Owen Farrell started at 10 so it's obviously you know he's seen something in the centres or something to hopefully you know liven something up so 
Okay, well, we shall uh, give us something to do over the weekend, won't it? Other than stock up ready for the snow coming down. Exactly. So I think we ought to crack on with the beer, don't you? I mean, we've decided to have a go at the world top stuff. So we've got three separate bottles, and we need to do this by some sort of drawing of lots, because we've got world gold, which we haven't done, which is 4.8%. We've got against the grain which is gluten-free beer at 4.5%. And we've got a Headland Red, which is a 4.3%. Then finally, we've got a Marmalade Porter, which I wouldn't make someone drink as their only thing. We'll have that as a chaser, because it's, it's pretty heavy work, porters, normally. So if you would kindly open them, Henry, how are we actually going to draw straws on it? You're gluten-free, well, having that one and then on. drinking that one's going to... No, I, I, no, I feel exactly the same as you. I'd Wait. love to do a blood test to know. Yeah. I'm not. Um, I'm not actually. I don't think I'm gluten free. But whenever I have certain beers, not a wherry, of course, the next with Norfolk, but in, anything else, I do get really bloated. Yeah. Know, now I kind of. I'm day. the same. I'm. I'm not sure. I think whatever it is, it's certainly mild. But I kind of am with Henry. I'm not. It doesn't stop me from drinking beer. It's called sort of ignorance is bliss. But yeah, I feel a bit like that. I agree no, with you. No, no. Can you do a kind of like a, a fart test as well? Do you know, we see if you don't do any farting. No, because it really does go off if uh, if I have beer. Yeah, but, but the point being, if, if, if the gluten stuff means you don't, then maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. I think after the, I'm going to try this gluten-free one and see if it's uh, see if it makes a difference. So which one's that one? That one's your gluten-free. Yeah. That one's your red, red headland. I'll have the red headland. Cool. Okay, so we've all got a we've got a whole bottle each. This is back to our man James Mortier, Simon Mins, and his his very generousness. So cheers, cheers, and cheers. cheers. Yeah, proper beer, like it. So my headland red, spot on, love it. Yeah, mine just tastes like summer, delicious. World's gold, yeah. Oh, summer that against the grain. That was actually delicious. I, I thought there'd be a big difference gluten free wise, but taste wise, it was awesome. Quite bubbly, but almost tastes. Ale-like. Yeah, well, it's really nice. Wait. You can have six pints of it, see if you get bloated. Uh, yeah, I reckon. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe double it <laughs> and then drive home. But um, nine, yeah. is, nine is fine, isn't it? Or is it five and drive? <laughs> nine is fine. Uh, <laughs> we know most of the farmers anyway. <laughs> this is obviously in jest, everybody. So do we know anyone with COVID nowadays? Since the guys from Cantley had it, it's gone. Currently, no. <clears throat> um... It's definitely the numbers. I don't are going, think definitely going down. The numbers are going down. I spoke to Paul Everton, and he said that the numbers in the hospital are definitely going. Oh, Scarlett down. had it. My girlfriend. So she's funny enough. Before she's gone out. Yeah, she's she's gone out to uh, the US and did everything within her power to not catch don't, it. Don't mention girlfriend, Josh. That's insensitive. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget, he's a bit lonely and sad. Go on. No, no. And then, yeah, she landed in Washington the day of the capital, the day before the capital riots. So it was in Washington Airport, which had an influx of Republican supporters. They were none of them wearing masks. So she got on a flight, and the flight was packed. No one was wearing masks. They were all super angry about it. She was sort of slightly worried. Went to the went to the hotel, got tested, was in the hotel for two days. Then went on the, on the boat that she's on, and felt a lump in her throat. So she didn't feel great. And I was just sort of you know denying it. What was his name? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, so she felt a lump in her throat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's fine. Fuck it, I give up. <laughs> God, <it's hilarious. laughs> no, no, I genuinely, I think it would be good to know. <laughs> yeah, she got a test and she has COVID. But it wasn't too heavy, was it? It wasn't like a really bad... No, she's fine. She's fortunate, yeah. Yeah, and, she was lucky. and now, 14 days on, she's now clear. Did you test... Do you test... Clear? Yeah, they tested, but they only do spit tests, so their test is a load of, load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry. Good job Webby isn't here, hey? Anyway, yeah. younger bro, alone on the pitch with no girlfriend. Poor little lonely lad. If anyone has a sad and lonely daughter, <laughs> you know, please send written applications. But nothing serious, OK? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. How do you get out there now? You know, what if we're locked down for another another 12 months? You can't meet anybody, can you? No, I suppose not. See what happens there with that one. Because uh, it's not all dead in the water, but yeah, anyway. Oh. You asked earlier, <laughs> moving swiftly on, about how it, the lockdown is going for our generation, I think, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Pre mics coming on. Yeah, so your generation, you can't go out. What do you do? Well, we're in our little bubble we've got in Munsley. Mm-hmm. We do have a Friday piss up which is great actually because you normally go in from beer tasting and that kind of gets you going a bit and then you're like or certainly gets the taste for it and then you go uh, normally at my house and then just get some music on do some food and just have a load of beers and tell stupid stories and end up singing and dancing and stuff like that as you do just without everyone in there and it's good fun i I quite like it but it's just the routine a bit groundhog day-esque of work through the week get this friday and then go for walks throughout Saturday, Sunday, re- try and relax. It is and very Groundhog Day, that's the whole point. I, I, uh, Tess said that like, she, she goes and does the horses with the girls, so she sees the other person. And it's always outside and safe bubble crap. I am being very good. I come to work with you guys, I go home, I cook, or if I don't cook, I just eat what's there. And it's just, there's nothing, you know. As me old mate Dennis, we used to go to the pub, and just that opportunity to just go, yeah, I'm going to be a bit late, I'm going to go to the pub, or I'm in Norwich, I'm just popping in here. All of that, I haven't missed it per se, but when you reflect back for a whole year and you look at the period of time you haven't been out, it is getting a little bit wearing. It is getting a bit yes, it's, boring. It's, a load of, it's really boring. <laughs> Obviously, it's boring. And what else is there to say? I mean, if you like having social life, you can't have one. Some people you don't do, like it. They you, have a like having You do nothing. get some people that just like Hers. are happy with it. Surely by now they're like, oh, actually, maybe I do like people more than I thought. Like, it'd be quite good to see some... Like, I think so. They've also gone even more reclusive. And I, I, one slight... I know we're not seeing each other, anyone, but when people go into a lockdown, and a month into a lockdown that we're in now, you have a much lower chance of catching it than you had pre-lockdown when you were seeing everyone. Mm. So I don't see why, you know, it's... Obviously no one's going to see anyone, and we're going to all be sensible, but people almost get panicked once they're in the lockdown. But once you're in the lockdown, you have a much less chance of catching it if you go to the shop. So I have a less chance of catching it now going to Tesco's Mm. than I did a month ago, when everyone was going to Tesco's readily, or going to the supermarket, or going anywhere readily. Something that does frustrate me, which is maybe... It's not ignorant of me as being young... But when you're walking in a field across a footpath and then some semi-old person comes the other way and they've got a face mask on in the middle of a field by the coast and they then step to, and they like 20 metres away, they step then step three metres into the field and stop and wait for you to walk past. It's like, come on, man. Like, Well, cycling on a windy day is my favourite at the moment because that is just... It's windy. There's two things there. Firstly, the bit where people step out of the way. I mean, the most important issue with that is where is the prevailing wind? You know, are they upwind or downwind from you? You've got to try and make sure you're the person the wind blows off onto them. <laughs> but if they're doing that and they're the wrong side, that just makes them dim, right? Okay, because aerosols exist. That's how a lot of it's been passed. And as far as the cycling thing is concerned, because, you know, I used to run every morning with Paul Everton. He stopped us running because, you, you know, when you're running along, your breath, there's, there's, a, there's a carry of those things behind you. And, and, and with cycling, it's something like 10 metres. The chances are low, but it's a pandemic, and this is the early days of it, and there was a study done, and it shows the airflow following a cyclist, and it showed that the person within 10 metres had a very had a high chance of breathing in some of their... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look for that, because I haven't seen anything, and I just, when you live where we live, you know, generally January is a very 
strong northerly winds coming off the sea anyway. Yeah, well, if, you, if you're walking on the coastal path and there's an easterly coming straight off the North Sea and people walk past each other on that footpath, the chances of your aerosols infecting, yeah, you're right, they're overreacting. You should take a step towards them and go... <laughs> no, I, yeah. obviously, it's, it's all about... I'm personally, you know, feel not relaxed about it, but I feel comfortable with... My, if I catch it, I feel I'll survive and do okay. But it, you're, it's more about you're worrying about how other people can perceive it on you that's my worry yeah so yeah. I, i'll move out the way for people not for myself but because them or how they might think of it but then you get yeah. also at the same time you get people that going into shops that just covid deniers face mask off think it's a load of rubbish yeah well there's those lanyards and there's those lanyards that people wear on I'm their neck covid what's it called nonsense you can, I, you can it, apply for it pay five quid and get like a thing and you can just wear well it. you don't have to wear a mask you have to wear a mask. when i was in london i did see people with that on and it was like I don't know why. The, well, I can't remember the reasons as why people could have them. It was something to do with... I don't even know. I, I can't remember. So they couldn't breathe because they had a mask on their face. Yeah, but I mean, there are a few people I know that are very reasonable, normally. You know, nice, intelligent people that are kind of denying it. <laughs> That's the thing I don't really get. I don't get the whole COVID-denying aspect of it. You're being asked to wear a mask. Wear a mask. Like, it's not that much. What about... Uh, have you got any um, any ideas about the uh, vaccine? Are you going to refuse to have the vaccine in case it might make you uh, impotent? Definitely not. If the vaccine, the thing what people forget <laughs> is if you enjoy going to the pub and doing stuff, you know, having a social life, having a life pre-COVID, and if the vaccine gives you that freedom, people will take that. I actually had the vaccine the other day, and um, so far there hasn't actually been any side effects. And ping chat for you, from ping poo. He hasn't had that. And that was a joke. <laughs> no, the point I was making about people not having vaccines, there is a whole sector of society, allegedly, who are not going to have the vaccine. And it's like, I find that very frustrating as an old person watching the telly. Because it's if, you, if everyone doesn't have it, you undermine the, the integrity of the vaccine. I think, ultimately, for our friendship group and people of our age, as a general rule, if it gives you the freedom to go on holiday... Like I saw Denmark today are doing a passport thing you can have on your phone, which says you can have it, so therefore you can go to Denmark, and from Denmark you can leave Denmark. If you could have that on your phone and you could go travel to Denmark or to Australia or to wherever you want to go travelling, then I think you'd see people queuing at the door for it. Yeah. If you're not going to have that, then I think yeah. people will be like, well, why, why would I bother? That is massive, actually. I didn't, the travel aspect. If you could have that on your passport and go, yeah, okay, I can go away for to a week. Work. Yeah, exactly. Then it'd be like 100%. Not thinking that it's a short-term win for a long-term potential loss. But it, like, mm. at the end of the day, uh, I can't remember who, who said something about these other vaccinations from years past. It's polio, smallpox, yeah, no, no. that kind of thing. Like, if you refuse to have one, you know, really, it's just pretty selfish, I think. I can't remember the stat, but it was something along the lines of, you know, how long it's taking for, uh, for things to pass. And it was like Ebola, smallpox, things like that. It's taking like, you know, 25 years, 30 years to pass. And then the fraction of time it's taking for COVID is like a massive step forward for uh, humankind. It's huge. The other argument to it is that pretty much every credible doctrine scientist has worked on this for the last year. Mm. Everyone. There's different forms of them. So you've got to be very selfish or very non-believer. Do you think people will travel this year? Because I I, I think even with that, if it said, right, you can travel with this vaccine, lots of other countries are going to take the time to catch up with the UK in terms of vaccines. You're going to a place where lots of people are not vaccinated and the COVID figures are still high or there's a risk high. I I don't think people will travel this year. I think it's going to be a big UK holiday year. No, I agree. And I was talking to someone who does that in our area because it's a big holiday destination. They're incredibly busy with the holidays. Selfishly, I went on holiday twice, twice in January last year, and then obviously lockdown hit. 
knowing what I know now, I probably could and would have gone on holiday last summer and been okay. So I am mm. not adverse to the idea. Yeah, I did the same as Josh and also did go away in the within the UK, but I did go away once to Italy for a week, which was pretty selfish. But no, like, I don't think it was selfish. But, 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 were... but actually knowing, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was all right. Yeah, I think it's going to be a massive thing of uh, staycations, but I was reading something from one of the travel agents uh, that they've been really busy and their bookings coming in left, right and centre, but that is, I think, on a gamble that it's going to be okay to go away. I think there's a stigma if you travel. I think it's irresponsible. You're going to travel on a a plane which, by definition, contains your breath. You know, no matter how it goes through whatever filter system, you're stuck on a plane with lots of people breathing. It's very obvious that if anyone's on that plane with a variant COVID, then they will pass it around. It's, I don't think people seriously should travel this year. I'm not a scientist and I, I, I don't want to oppress people. People can have holidays still, but just for the sake of another year, one year in the, great, in the next millennia, you know, don't go if... It, it's, it is a selfish moment. Oh, I need my holiday. Do you? Do you really need to go to Benidorm and have egg and bacon? No, I mean, it depends. As long like a year, this summer, in my opinion, more selfish than next because no one was vaccinated. They weren't doing tests when you leave. They weren't doing all these things. This year, it, you know, if you have to do a test before you go, well, if they do those rapid fire tests in the airport before you get in the airport, in your car, you know, when, the, when you go to pay for your parking, you walk through, they do a test in your car and you have to show you've got a negative test, those surely should be fair, fairly straightforward. But on the point we were talking about, if there's that passport thing or something like that, that would yeah. be awesome. I, I for mean, sure, I'd yeah. love that. And it's not, I mean, what's interesting is it's not, whenever they give you something, you can still transmit it to one another. Which is interesting, but apparently the Oxford one is less transmissible after you've had it. So we'll see. I think they're they're actually trying to mix them both together, see if they can get every, them both done in one go or something like that. The the vaccines rather than two. Yeah, different, different They've done like ten million or nine hundred and fifty nine million five hundred thousand vaccines first doses, but five hundred thousand second doses have been done. So ten million doses are done, but not Look, done done. Boris has taken a risk with the with the spreading out of the time between the first the actual Pfizer thing said three weeks later you should put you should put it in your arm. And he's decided to stretch out to twelve weeks. That's a massive test tube moment. The rest of the world is watching the UK. If it works, great. If it doesn't that is Boris being a chancer, which is what he's done on several occasions and screwed up. And, you know, so... Well, he, he's done if, it because then he, he can say that he's got two-thirds or, two, you know, three-quarters more people more vaccinated because the headline figure is that more people have got vaccinated, yeah, isn't no, it? But also, the reality but that's, isn't. But that's politics yeah. versus actual science. So, I mean, it, it, he might be right. He might be lucky and he might give a greater protection to more people initially, which brings the figures down in the short term. But, I, again, it's one of those Boris moments, isn't it? Just want to say on the uh, against the grain beer, the gluten free. Genuinely, by now, I would be having stomach pain or something like that. I'd still be drinking beer and enjoy it, but I would be like, it would, you know, it I wouldn't. Been, I, I'd go through the pain barrier all these years. <laughs> yeah, just to keep yeah. up with that. I'm hard. I'm ARD, but yeah, I'm quite impressed actually. I've just you poured out the porter, so you finish that, Henry, and then drink your little third of that bottle because we've all now got a little, little dark, very dark glass of the marmalade porter. Porter, okay, which is a completely different taste. Now, if you suddenly start getting stomach pains, then you're going to turn into one of these. Oh, is that gluten free? Right, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. It. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, is that gluten free, buddy? Because uh, otherwise, I can't be drinking it. It's a, you know, the porter is is a tougher experience. It's not as smooth, and you know, you got to be in the mood for that. It's got to be. Is Guinness a porter? Well, Guinness is kind of the colour of beer is determined by the colour of the malt. So yes, it is. It's got burnt barley in it. 
whatever Guinness is, or everyone likes. Well, we all like Guinness. Yeah, you, you, you've got a, you've got a burnt overtone, haven't you? That is the chocolate malt, isn't it? I bet it says that on the bottle. Yeah, world top marmalade. Overtones of bitter orange, coffee, and chocolate. And the chocolate. A complex triple hopped rich dark porter with a sweet malty base and overtones of bitter orange alongside hints of coffee and chocolate. This porter is also certified to have a gluten content that is below the codex standard of 20 parts per million. Great with classic roast dinners and chocolate and should stop people farting. (laughs) (laughs) I think with that, we've got the old lockdown blues, haven't we? We're ready to break out, but we've got to wait another four or five weeks, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I'm dead keen to just, just just change up the routine a bit, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's just... We need to be upbeat like Captain Sir, John, Sir Tom Moore, don't we? We need to go, tomorrow's yeah. going to be a great day. I'm sure it will, Friday, firstly. <laughs> I'll go to the market report. God goodness knows where the market's going to close tonight. And, uh, yeah, it's got down, down, deeper and down. It still hasn't gone back down under 200, so farmers are kind of like blasé. It's going to be snowing next week, or as we listen to this podcast. That's exciting. Next thing you know, it's going to be March. Let's hope the hell the sun shines. Hey. But, yeah. Yeah. But with that, yes, a foot of snow, thing. and I think I shall, I shall sign this off with, tomorrow is going to be a great day. Hasta luego. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.